This is Daniel Figella of Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research, and you're listening to the AI in Business podcast. When you think about industries that have changed radically due to COVID-19, none probably come to mind faster than retail. The transition to e-commerce has been swift and has been unprecedented, and there's a lot of changes in terms of how retailers are having to approach their interaction with their customer. Yes, moving to digital, yes, moving to online, but also how do we keep loyalty if we don't get to see them in person? How do we compete with the big players like Amazon who've stepped up to such a massive extent during COVID and be able to compete realistically in our own niches and with our own businesses? We speak this week with someone who has an awfully sharp take on that space, Deb Johnny Deb. She's the CEO of Zine One. Zine One is a AI-based personalization firm in the Bay Area. They've raised some $15 million. And if you go on their homepage, you'll see brands like Men's Warehouse and even some financial services firms that they've worked with. This week, Deb Johnny speaks to us about two topics. Number one, how is she seeing the retail world reeling and responding to COVID-19? What are the changes that are happening? What's the perspective boots on the ground in retail? Secondly, and I think this is a really interesting take, what is sort of the scale of maturity of personalization? Where can companies start and how should they think about first projects for building recommendations and personalization into their experience? She lays out a number of potential use cases that companies could apply, as well as some rules of thumb about sifting and sorting through those projects. And I thought that they were awfully helpful. If you're interested in learning more use cases and terminology for AI and retail, be sure to download our AI and retail cheat sheet. You can go to emerj.com slash ret1, that's R-E-T like retail, and then the number one, and you can simply download our AI and retail cheat sheet for free. It's a PDF guide that should hopefully give you some additional use cases on top of what you'll learn in this episode. That's emerj.com slash ret1. Without further ado, this is an awful fun episode, and I hope you get a lot out of it. This is Deb Johnny Deb with Zine One here on the AI and Business Podcast. So, Deb Johnny, we're going to be talking about the transitions forward in the e-commerce and retail world. You guys are in the cutting edge of recommendations, personalization, but I think this space is fascinating by itself. But we're now in this whole shift of the COVID era that we're not out of yet. Maybe you and I both would have thought by now we would be, but we're not. How do you see the e-commerce world bending and shifting to accommodate customers in this new ecosystem? What's the zeitgeist change from your perspective? Wonderful question, Daniel. It's been fascinating to see this, you know, as COVID hit, you know, everything went into sort of a bit of a lockdown shock yeah. and all, yeah. right? Yeah. But I think it has evolved into fascinating sort of aspects. You know, we see that Gardner actually published this. Certain parts of the e-commerce spectrum, sporting goods, uh, groceries, electronics, Exercise equipment really is at the forefront, like really sort of popping in regards to their performance. When of course there is the brick and mortar stores that are you know suffering and having trouble because people are not in, as much in the malls. Yeah. But one thing that is common through across all of this really is that the move to digital. What would have happened in three years really has happened in a condensed time frame of six, seven months, if you would, where the direct-to-consumer revenue through e-commerce have really sort of evolved very fast, which has, in fact, put a lot of pressure on these folks to do a lot more 
very fast. You know, I have conversations with, you know, very large grocers, you know, things that they were thinking were three years out in regards to buy online, pick up at store. Yeah, yeah, these kind of functionality. That kind of things. They've had to do it overnight. So there are things in technology that got an amazing push, uh, be it AI, ML, you know, just pure automation that would have been much further out is happening in a much crunch timeline. Yeah. So we're seeing, and I think that this common idea of sort of this being an accelerator to existing digital trends, I think is true as true in retail and e-commerce as anywhere else. I mean, if not more so, clearly you're seeing that. One thing that I think is easy for a layperson to observe, or even a market researcher like myself to observe, is that many of the firms in the mid-market or even smaller large firms mostly, or or in in a great many cases, seem to be kind of modeling the functionality of the big players who are a little farther along. You mentioned pick up at store or whatever. You know, I don't know how long ago it was that Walmart put that stuff out, but I, I imagine they were somewhere on the cutting edge there. There's all kinds of maybe online promotions that folks are doing. What are the kinds of new ideas that are that are entering this space and and what percentage of those are directly inspired from whoever they look to as their bigger competitors versus drawing from other industries? What are you seeing start to populate the new capability space of digital? So I I think, you know, this has been to a certain extent, a little bit of a leveler, if you would, the COVID evolution for mid-market to the lighthouse customers, if you would, because now the common language is everybody got to be digital, right? Yep. So the pressure is equal in regards to this sort of an evolution. So, you know, the things that we are seeing, you know, touchless commerce, right? It's a big one. You know, the adoption of, you know, CDPs and customer data platforms so that they understand the customers in a common way has become very part of the conversation. The deployment of, AI and ML technologies that allow them to react to these customers sort of better, you know, more competitively, if you would, has become part of that conversation. All of them sort of leading to sort of what does it take to get that edge in a very pressurized environment, which sort of COVID has enabled. So to a certain extent, we are seeing the tips of you know, new things that are coming along, such as touchless commerce, such as the rise of data, the rise of AI, ML technologies, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I guess this kind of leads us in the direction of, you know, the next question, which is what the the maturity and life cycle of those technologies actually looks like, because a lot of firms are just making this wild swing into digital, everything's moving so much faster than maybe they would have presumed. And they're thinking about where to get started. I think a lot of people admire what Amazon does, but there's so many things Amazon does. I mean, we can leave the warehousing and logistics out of it. Just talk about customization in terms of your email prompts and promotions, customization in terms of what's on your homepage, what's on individual product pages, um, your add to cart page has a bunch of suggestions before you check all the way out. All of these things are different functionalities and types of personalization. And I think if the small folks are going to compete upstairs with the big folks, you better hope you have loyalty because if it's just who has more money to throw at the tech, you're going to lose. So having a better relationship feels so important, but where to start? There's an unlimited number of places where recommendation can get going. Can you walk us through how you see companies maturing from 
nothing on the personalization side, maybe sending out some, you know, having a loyalty program or something to, you know, really being more on the cutting edge. What does that look like? Yes. And I think that's a great question, Daniel. You know, the personalization uh, maturity curve really has come into focus in these times, really. What I mean by that is that one of my big sort of pet peeves have been, you know, that the way to reach the customer, you know, sort of over the last 10, 15 years really have been, okay, I'm going to send them a lot of email. I'm going to send them a lot of push notification or SMS and sort of a spray and pray theory. But as the market has evolved, become more competitive and really had had pressure in this COVID framework, as I call it, you know, people have been compelled to do more. So what I mean by that, what is the trajectory? Understand the customer so that you can be value added. That's sort of the fundamental, you know, data is plenty. There is a lot of data. How you use that data to add value to your customer really is the question. So if you think about a personalization maturity curve from left to right, at the very bottom left, you would think about things like doing better email where you know your customer. So I do want to get an email about an abandoned cart. I would welcome that. But I don't want to get 30,000 emails about new products. It's not specific to me. So and then you go sort of sort of the next step, right? I am walking into a store to get my Bopus order. Know that I'm there. Geofences today are plenty. Know that I'm there in the moment I'm there. Sort of Uber has made this common. You need to know the location. And if you know the location, you can help them in that moment, telling them is the order ready? Who's coming out to get it? Rather than make them wonder sitting there going, where is it? Go further up ahead. Think about, okay, they just bought X number of things. What else goes with it? Is there a repetitive nature to what they just bought? A nice prompt five days from them saying, are you running low on X, maybe a grocery item, is welcome. Instead of, here is a long list of coupons that everybody is getting the same list. And the only you know, saving grace is how fast I can find the garbage can to throw it out at. So really about, I bought X, tell me about Y at the right time predict when I would need it, predict the time between the visits when I would need it, and let me have it. When I come back, know a little bit about me or a lot about me because I've been shopping there for a while, either online or in the store, and give me the items that I most buy. So put them on top. The eye length of things on a grocery shelf has been a science for the last 20 years. What do you put at eye level? Should we not do that with online as well? Should we not put a time into, I buy petite, I am a petite woman, but I never see the petite material when I log into a women's clothing store. Yeah, Why yeah, is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So things of that nature, you know, when we talk about machine learning, it's not about sort of just very deep science and just what scientists think about. It really is really 
fundamental features that add value that can be powered by the deep science, such as the ones we've been talking about, that add value, makes my experience better, makes me feel like I'm in a store even though I'm shopping online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, and our audience will be certainly familiar that, uh, you know, hiring people from Carnegie Mellon just for the sake of putting data in algorithms for fun is, is not even remotely on the radar for our audience. Luckily, we're, we're here to get some business goals done. Certainly build AI functionality and infrastructure and the things that the technology needs. We can't pretend like it's just a like a hammer and a mallet. There is some technical stuff here. But, but yeah, getting value is where we're headed. And you've given us some great initial portfolio items. I'm just going to shake out a couple of these and get some more of your thoughts. So you mentioned the general lens is how can I add value to the to the customer? Great general lens. And to some degree, some of that has occurred even with the old school uh, mailer stuff, even before email, there were some direct marketing mailers that were, let's say a little, you know, they were a little aggressive, but they were still calibrated, personalized, whatever, and, and they were split tested in different ways and whatever. And so so there's some there's some mentality of that in marketers that exists, but we, we talked even about more than marketing. You mentioned, hey, for my pickup, when I show up within, you know, a certain geo region, What's the prompt that should be in front of me about my order and about related orders and about whatever else? What, what should that be? Okay, let's think about it. What would be the follow-up order and how much longer and later? And that'll come by SMS or email. Okay, we think about it. When I log in, my homepage could be altered based on my historical purchases. If I purchase clothing for small folks, you know, if I log in, can you show me the new stuff for small folks instead of having me click six times to find the things that are relevant for me? All of these fit the bill of the lens you asked us to put on. I wonder... Are there places where people typically start? Let me frame this question a little bit differently. I say, man, I sure would like to get into personalization. I'm going to come up with a plethora of, of ideas. I mean, our, our research on the ecosystem of e-commerce vendor firms is something like 60, 70% of the venture money is going to things that we could broadly put under the umbrella of personalization recommendation. Almost endless. I mean, it's, it's amazingly big. So pickups. In-store, email, SMS, related purchases, detection of a different user who maybe I shouldn't show the small clothing to. I should presume it's a new user, all of these things, right? Do we generally have guidance on where to start? Is it as simple as what is technically most feasible, what data is most accessible, and what's most valuable to our customer? Do we, do we kind of score things along those three criteria to figure out what projects to begin with? You probably have a more sophisticated way to think about it, but I'm really thinking from a company who's coming at this fresh. There's so much. Where do they get going? Yeah. I really think about this as crawl, walk, run. Yeah. You know, there's certainly, certainly sort of based on the maturity of the company, a place to start. And typically it is about Start with something small where you're not boiling the ocean. You know, people talk about omni-channel and the ubiquity of data, et cetera, et cetera. But nobody, but nobody, not even Walmart gets there overnight. It takes them years mm -hmm. or more. Yeah. So the way to think about it is start with a single channel and start with a use case that doesn't require a lot of data. I'll give you an example, Daniel. The one that is very interesting is that product, we call it product velocity. How many other people are buying this in this moment in time? That's a personalization feature that really drives revenue and you can get started with it on a single channel with no data except for the data coming from your website. Homepage personalization, simple, easy. The other one is offers, you know, 
the one thing that everybody who's an offers driven company does is give the same offer to everybody 10% off today take it well i might just be there to buy some toothpaste i don't need 10% off i'll buy it anyways so there is a lot of signs good signs that's um, available around offers and offer optimization that's fairly easy to do makes a huge difference in regards to revenue and margins that can be done really out of the box. You know, there is a bar, a promo bar in on most sites, the same one that stays. Yep. It's an easy piece of real estate. It's on pretty much every website. And you can use that to talk to the individual rather than everybody. So instead of 20% off, you can say hello to me and you can say something about me that would make me feel I'm special. I can see what they're talking to me. So there are a few things like that that really sort of doesn't require boiling the ocean. You you want to set your sight towards that longer term trajectory. You do want a single view of your customer. You do want to know the customer as they traverse different channels as you have them. But that's not day one. It's not this monumental task of doing everything at the same time. Yeah, I think it's really important for people to hear that from you because I think that, you know, boiling the ocean is common. So is treating AI like it's plug and play. You know, it's it's obviously somewhere in the middle. We, we do have a whole, you know, to get to this omni-channel future world, We've got to have a better data infrastructure. We've got to have team leaders that understand the value of data and can integrate it with IT and can make this a fluent part of how we do business and move and shake. Those are real foundation level changes. However, we can begin with specific areas where we can see impact on margin. We can begin with specific projects that don't involve the wild infrastructure changes. We can get some momentum, see some some dollars come in. A quick question to, to run by you, just because you know we get to see a decent amount of this from the enterprise side is that often when people begin with personalization, they find ways that are, yes, technically feasible, maybe not super data intensive, but also that if they, for lack of a better way of saying it, if they flub up, a lot of customers aren't going to really notice it in some way. So there's some kind of personalization around, I don't know, maybe it's like you mentioned offers, right? Maybe it's like an email offer where if there's a batch that goes out that's a little bit off, not the end of the world, versus if your homepage for every user for the whole 24 hours is really messed up. And of course, you would only do a cohort anyway. But we've seen some folks experiment with personalization in ways that are, you know, a little bit less jarring to the experience because enterprises are a little skeptical and because it's new for them. Do you see that being something that people have to balance and think about when they go for first projects? Yes. It's interesting actually you asked that question. You know, one of the things that I have seen, you know, across uh, customers as they have delved into personalization is that the mentality is test and learn. Yeah. This is not a I will cut over to experience and that's a final, right? So for folks that are supplying personalization to the market, they have to gear up for that same mentality of fast experimentation, controlled experimentation, and the ability to give the enterprise a path to success. So I think it is it is about control groups. It is about starting where you're comfortable. It is about starting with one use case. And with AI and ML, you know, the idea really is about do things that are easily explainable because you don't want to treat any ML algorithm as a black box because 
that doesn't really help the outcome you're trying to achieve. You want this to be very explainable, deliverable, ROI generating, and ultimately satisfying to the consumer you're trying to serve. So, you know, there is a baby step again, crawl, walk, run, and do it with testing, testing, and testing, more testing to get to full deployment. Big time. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, marketing personalization, I think naturally lead to this kind of iterative approach and AI needs that anyway. So I think that's kind of a, in my opinion, that's good news. It's like, great. We have a mindset that's maybe fitting for AI. That's a beautiful thing. And you guys have seen, you know, these kind of experiences with big brands like North Face. I know you work in financial services. So for those of you listening in, these are words from the wise. We've seen this stuff uh, hit the ground running and Dev Johnny, I know that's all we had for time, but I appreciate you sharing some of that wisdom with us here on the show. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. This was a great conversation. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. A big thank you to Deb Johnny for being able to join us on this episode. And thank you to you for listening all the way through. If you want to support the show and you like what you're hearing here, be sure to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does mean the world. When we get reviews from you folks, not only do we use that information to build a better editorial calendar to put together better interviews for you, but also it helps other people know about the show. So if you want to support us, go to Apple Podcasts, find AI and Business, leave us a five-star review, and let us know what you want to hear more of or any episodes that have really made an impact for you. It does mean the world to me and my team to read those from listeners like yourself. Otherwise, I'm glad you were able to join us for this episode, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode here on the AI in Business podcast. <laughs>